This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Praise the Lord. How are you? Still... About an hour before the Powerball drawing, you can leave right now to run out and get you a lotto ticket if you want. I won't feel bad, but I think you got a better shot. Trust in Jesus, amen? Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1, and we're going to talk a little bit tonight about a very important topic, kind of a, one of those reminder messages that reminds us of the of the, the keys, the truths of the scripture, and uh, this is one of those things that if our, that our happiness and our success and our prosperity and uh, our usefulness of the kingdom of God, uh, our ministry, all that is, is uh, contingent upon whether or not we tap into this key. And I, I call this message warriors in the waiting room. And I know that, uh, that no warrior wants to be in the waiting room. Amen? No warrior ever wants to be in the waiting room. Their cry is, put me in, coach. You know, I want to get in there. I want to get in there and get some on me. That's the way it is. So hopefully, as we read over this passage of Scripture, Deuteronomy 1, 20, down through 36, that, that um, this passage, and it's a recounting by Moses of the, the happenings in the desert and, and during the time of the Exodus, that that will refresh us and give us some keys here. Then I said to you, and I there is, of course, Moses. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came to me and said, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected twelve of you, one man from each tribe. And they left and went up into the hill country, and they came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and you said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say, the people are stronger and taller than we are and the cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. And then I said to you, do not be afraid, do not be terrified. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you, as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. And there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son, all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. When the Lord heard what you said, 
He was angry and solemnly swore, No one from this evil generation shall, shall see the good land I swore to give to your ancestors, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. How do you receive a promise from the Lord? God makes promises to, to his people, and it seems as though a promise ought to be delivered, hand-delivered to us. Don't you think, how many of you think promises should be, they seem like they ought to be delivered right to us? Just, don't, don't you think that? But that's not the way it is in the scripture. And, and sometimes when we talk about promises, we can get our, our mind kind of turned around a little bit, and we think that a promise is something that God is going to deliver into our lap. But I have yet to find a, a promise in scripture that would, that would, be something like that where it's delivered into our lap. In fact, every time I see a promise made in Scripture, there is a contingency. It is if you hold to the commandments that I give to you or if you step out and, and do this warfare, warfare or if you go out and, and, and really do war for that promise that I'm giving you. And so there's always an opportunity for us to fail in receiving the promise. Here the Israelites are coming out, this is the recounting of it, but this is a telling of the story of them coming out of Egypt and going through the, through the, uh, the desert and how as, as they are, are reaching this place, there's an there's a expectation that God is going to give them this place and they reach all the way up to the edge of this, of this promised land, the land that God told them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the promise that they wanted, the thing that they wanted in their hearts, the, the, the promise that God had given them. He said, I have created you for this specific purpose so that you could be my people. This is not some contingency plan. This is not plan B. This is not something that God uh, had thought in an afterthought. This is not something that they even ha had desired for themselves. This is a promise from God. God promised them, I'm going to bring you to this place. And so he brings them to that place, and they, they choke. They get all right up to the edge of it, and they, they just choke. They can't go any further. Isn't that strange how it's so much like our human nature to want to quit? Right? Isn't it? How many of you have been tempted to quit? Not, maybe not today, but in the past. You've been tempted to quit. How many, maybe today. How many of you have been tempted to quit today? How many right now say, if he keeps talking, I'm going to quit right here. This church, go find another. See, we, we get ourselves in a position where, where we, we, we don't swallow. We don't get a hold of what God is trying to give to us. And that was the problem that, that these guys are facing right here. They're facing this, this difficulty to try to be, uh, be, be grabbing a hold of the promise that God has for them. So Moses said to them, that in that time, he said, don't fear and don't be discouraged. See, when we step right up to that plate, those who prayed emotions tonight about uh, all that we have is, is God's. It does take a certain surrendering of our emotions to God, doesn't it? I mean, you stand up to the edge of the, pro of the promised land, and then, and then you say, boy, that looks like a scary place. I see, I see strongholds of the enemy in that place. And God says, go, I give it to you. And we're like, but there's enemies over there, God. Don't you see the enemies? Are you blind? And God said, no, 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 just, just go in there. You just do what I tell you to do, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have that land. land will be yours. But, but God, it looks complicated to me. We like our, our emotions to be completely in control. 
And yet there's a part of us that likes them to be completely out of control. We go to the Six Flags over America, right? And we get in line for one of those super-duper coasters that they got there. How many they got now? Eight? Eight roller coasters there? Is that what it, that was I read somewhere? A lot more than that? Are you calling me a liar? No. Um, so they have, they have a bunch of roller coasters there, and people will stand in line so that, that you, they will be scared, that they will be afraid. Just take it to the edge of your fear, right? So fear is kind of something that we enjoy a little bit, but yet at the same time we recognize that when they're standing at the edge of the promised land, there's no part of this that they are enjoying. In fact, as they're standing there, they're, they're having a hard time receiving the promise. Moses said, don't worry, you know, I have an idea. Let's send some people. In fact, he says it was your idea to send some people in to check out the land. And they come back and they bring a good report. That's what the scripture says here. They bring a good report. Now, we know from Numbers, I think it's chapter 13, that, that the report wasn't all good. In fact, there were 10 of the 12 people that came back that had a lot of negative to say. But there was a good report brought back by at least a couple. And so as they come back into this place, they, be, they begin to say, this is a good land that the Lord has. Now, you, you know who God is, right? God's a good God, right? And so it's only our emotions, our fear, our depression, and our discouragement that keeps us from grabbing a hold of the promise and saying, yes, Lord, go with me. I'll go into the battle. I'll do whatever it takes to get the promise. It's only our emotions. We are emotional people. We, we like to have our emotions change. I'm one of those people that hears the song on the radio, Jesus, take the wheel. Whenever I hear Jesus, take the wheel, I don't know what it is. There's a magical spell or something on that song, but I cry every time I hear Jesus, take the wheel. Maybe because my life was such a mess and I was just so happy that Jesus took my wheel, you know. Does anybody else in here get a little verklempt when, uh, when you hear Jesus take the wheel? Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, well, anyway, I'm not going to sing the song to you, but unless you want me to. How many of you want me to? No, no I'm just kidding. I'm not singing the song. So, so it, I, we like our emotions. We like to be, but emotions have to be held in check. There are times when if you're going to get the promise of God, you have to say no to your, your emotions. You say, well, that doesn't seem natural. I know, it doesn't seem natural. You're going to experience that same emotion tomorrow when you get up to go to work. And your emotions are going to say, hmm, don't want to go to work. But you're going to say, shut up, emotions. We're going to go to work because Friday's payday, right? We've got 48 hours till payday. So we're going to suck it up and go to work, and we're going to be the people that we are called to be. We're going we're gonna to be faithful. We're going to be loyal. We're going to be hardworking, even if it kills us, even if we're sad all day about it. That's the way it is. You have to do stuff that is contrary to your emotional uh, makeup. So, and you've got some people in this generation that they just want to have their emotions tickled all day long. They just think that the Holy Spirit carries a feather with them everywhere he goes, and if it's God, then he'll make you happy and giggly. But sometimes you stand at the edge of the promised land, and you know the promise is right there, and you know a good God sent you in there, and a good God gave you the promise, and a good God is there. And Moses is saying to the people, this is the things I told you. I, I told you this. I told you that God gave you a good land. It's flowing with milk and honey. God, the, God, the God who is with you 
before, this God is walking with you into this promised land. Are you willing to go into the promised land and do that? No, we're not. We're not. We're not going to do that. I sent some spies, and, and they, they brought some good report. They brought some evidence of the goodness of the Lord in that land. Why don't you just, why don't you just believe what you see with your eyes? Why don't you just believe the good report? But you see, the, the temptation to believe the negative is always easy. It's always the go-to response. Sometimes you just have to say, listen, I know what the world says. I know what the liars are saying. I know what the, what the, what the uh, even brothers and sisters, I know what they're saying to me. And yet, I, I need to know, this is what the Lord is saying to me. He's telling me to go in and take the promise. And we have to muscle up the courage to put down our emotions, to put down the, 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 the vocal uh, uh, discouragement that comes at us, and we have to say, I want the promise. It's completely up to you. Remember all those times in the scripture where God took somebody, kidnapped them, tied them all up, and then gave them promises? They awoke from having been anesthetized, and they woke up, and they were just smothered in promises. Remember that in the scripture? Of course you don't. It never happened. God does not kidnap people to bless them. God says, oh, you want a blessing? Let's walk this way. Right? You, you, want a, you want a blessing? Do this, and you'll get the blessing. God is really serious about that. Now, this passage of Scripture, in my devotions this week, this passage of Scripture kept jumping out and, and showing me that God is deadly serious about this response. You see, we have to be a people who have some kind of faith. And fear will pull the plug on our faith every time. Discouragement pulls the plug on our faith all the time. That's why we need Barnabases in the church, people who walk around and say, hey, keep, keep going, don't give up now. People who speak a word of encouragement say, I don't know what my, what my spiritual gift is. So that's fine. While you're looking for it, just encourage people. I prayed for you this week. Hey, I see what you're going through. I want you to know you're not alone. If you need something, call me. You can just be, speak words of encouragement to help people. Sometimes it's all you need is somebody to, you know, to, to slap you on the back. Or, you know, if you were a football player, you could pat somebody on the behind. It's okay. If you're a football player. And it's during the game. You have to, you have to determine, I'm going to be a person. To, because there's so much out there that discourages us from pursuing the promise of God in our life. You say, well, what, what promise are you talking about? I, I don't know. You want your children to live for Christ. You want your business to be a success. You want the guidance of the Lord to direct you and guide you in the, in the paths of your life. You want prosperity both in your soul and in your bank account. Come on, somebody. And you want these things, and I don't think it's selfish to want these things. If you're broke and you're poor, you can't give much away. But if you win the lotto tonight... Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. 1.5 billion reasons to trust the Lord tonight. Just think of what you could do. I was fantasizing. Now, it really would be a miracle because I don't play the lotto, but I was fantasizing with a couple friends today about what you could do. Man, it would be fun to just bless people. I would, I would take upon the role of blesser. For the rest of my life, I would just walk around with 
checkbook and a wad full of cash. Boy, talk about encouragement, huh? People would say, here he comes, because Pastor Dave, I think he's coming to my table today. Oh, here he goes, here he's coming. Oh, he just walked right by me to go into somebody else. People would love me, right? <laughs> so Moses says, don't be terrified. Don't have fear. The God who was with you and led you out of Egypt, that God is going with you. There's a lot of us here in this place who were in Egypt, who were in bondage, who were enslaved. A lot of us here. And we just need to remind ourselves, a little reminder, daily shot of reminder juice, that when we stand in front of the mirror and say, the same God who brought you out of that old mess that you were once in, that same God is with you right here today. That's what Moses is saying to them. Listen, don't be looking for signs. Don't be looking for that same God. He's directed your path all the way here to this very spot. You're standing on the brink of your promise. Don't give up now. The, the same God is going to... But it's scary. But I heard there's uh, Anakites there and, uh, and, and Amorites and all kinds of ites. And I, and I heard that they're there and I heard that, they, that, 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 that there's no way we can fight them. In another recounting of this story, they tell them we're like grasshoppers in their sight. But that makes it all the more glorious when God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. I think we just start need to claim in that verse. How are we going to rise up if we don't learn how to claim the verse that says, Lord, here I'm a foolish thing. Use me to confound the wise. You know, right? I don't got a lot going on upstairs. I took basic algebra twice. I took electricity two times, flunked every time. Every time. Don't got a lot going upstairs. But God can use the foolish things. God can use the empty things. God can use the nothings and do something with, with the nothing. Aren't you glad for that this morning or this evening? I think we just have to be happy in the Lord just to say, I'm nothing, but God can do something through me. And begin to believe that he's going to do something in our hearts and in our minds. He says, this kind of goes with the word that Pastor Seth brought this, this evening. He said, he carried you like a father carries his son. Now, I got a bad back so I can't carry my son. But, but I did at one time when he was little and weak and feeble and he couldn't feed himself and he pooped his pants. <laughs> he did, you know, you say, well, father takes the weak, feeble, incapacitated one and picks him up and carries him along, right? And says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how to live your life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Make things work for you, even though you can't make them work yourself. I remember when Seth was really little, and we were walking on the beach, and I, I would hold his hands, and he would, we, we, as, as the waves would come in, he, this is when he was really little, he would try to run away from the waves every time the wave would come in as we were walking down by Lake Michigan. Run, he would run like this, and I would have to switch hands and hold him over here. Then finally he learned to love the water. Now I can't get him out whenever we go fishing. I'm like, we're fishing here. Get in the boat and grab a 
because he wants to swim all the time. Things change. Why? What happens? You, you, you ch you're changed because you're exposed to different things. This, the Lord carried these people as a father carries his son. Picked him up and put, held him in his arm and walked them through the desert. Brought them to the, through this place. And then they, he brings them to this place and they say, yeah, the promise, we're thinking about that, but sounds hard. Sounds scary. Emotionally, Lord, I'm just not up to it right now. We're not going to do it. We're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not going for the promise, Lord. And it says that God swore them. That's what it says. That God swore. I don't know any place in the scripture where it says that God got so angry that he swore. Didn't I say that there? Look at it. It says he swore an oath. What did he say? I don't know. But he was plenty angry about it. Right? And he said, these dudes, this is in the Hebrew, these dudes not going to enter in. These guys not going to do And if you think about it, that's pretty tragic. Look in chapter 2, one page away, chapter 2 in verse 14. In my devotions this week, this just, it just kept coming to me that how much displeasure God had with this group who refused to be obedient, who refused to step up in faith and take a hold of the promise, who refused to, to go with this. Look at verse 14. Thirty-eight years passed from the time we left Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the Zerah Valley. And by then the entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. The Lord's hand was against them until he had completely eliminated them from the camp. Think about that now. All those warriors committed to take the promise and then backed off, and God says, not one of these guys is going to take a hold of this promise. Not one of them will. And so the entire nation stops. The entire nation stops. Nothing goes any further. They walk in circles for 38 years until finally all that generation dies off, with the exception of Caleb. All that generation dies off, and as they die off, then finally it's almost as if there's a collective sigh of relief in heaven at, and at the end of verse, uh, at the beginning of verse 14, like finally these guys died. In the meantime, they were warriors in the waiting room set there by their own disobedience. Never got the promise. Not for them, not for their children, not for their children's children. Warriors in the waiting room. They talked a good game when they launched out. They seemed to have faith at one time, but now they're at this place where, where they're just stuck. And they die in that place. God was pretty serious about that. I remember in the New Testament, Jesus getting ecstatic when he would find someone with faith. Whether that person was a Jew or not, Jesus would say, whoa, what great faith you have. 
right? Jesus would, would marvel at someone who had great faith. It seems like faith is the hot button for God. That if you will believe what he says to you, not all the people around you say, oh, you're crazy. Or, hey, hey, calm down. Don't get all religious on us. But if you will go nuts for Jesus and push in with the Lord, if you will believe God when he speaks to you, your promise, then when he speaks that promise, that faith on the inside of you will churn on the inside of you. It will stoke the fire and you will begin to see great things happen, but you have to keep believing. God in the Old Testament is so angry about this. Their lack of faith, their lack of follow-through, their lack of trusting in the promise disqualifies them ultimately. Jesus in the New Testament, whenever he sees faith, he gets ecstatic. That to me says that we have to be a people who know how to believe God for promises. If we're going to see, the, how pitiful is it that we walk to the edge of the promise peer in and say, it looks too difficult for me. See, God has more and better for us than we could even imagine. The problem wasn't that there were giants. They, they, the, the Israelites just didn't see themselves as giant killers. They just didn't see themselves as giant killers. Someone had to stoke the fire, had work the encouragement. He had to walk around in the desert for a long time. Before they finally said, okay, I'm sick of that. In another place in the book of Deuteronomy, and I won't bounce you around in there, but it says that at any moment they could have turned. At any moment they could have turned and gone back with the Lord. But it seems like they were stubborn in their rebellion. No, it's too hard, it's too hard, it's too hard, it's too hard. Some of us are in here. We've been walking in circles for so long that our shoes have sand in it. We've been going around, going around, going around, instead of just stepping out and saying, I will be obedient to you, Lord. I will do what you say if you'll do what you say. You say, well, I don't, I don't have the wisdom. That's okay. God can fill in the blanks in what you don't know. I don't have the strength. Listen, God said he'll even carry you as a child. You say, I don't want to go it alone. You're not alone. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. The same God who did all those miracles is now traveling with you. Why are we not stepping into that? Why are we not grabbing a hold of, this, of the power of God that comes to us? Why do we shrink back and say, well, I'm really safe and I'm really comfortable way back here. And I don't want to get all involved up there. Listen, we have to learn to be people who step out of the waiting room. You never feel more useless than in the waiting room. Right? When I go to visit somebody in the hospital and they stick me in that waiting room, I hate that. I don't mind being in the chapel. I know what to do in a chapel. You pray. Then in the waiting room, I just watch all these other people that are freaking out about what's going on in their life. And it's, oh, put me, that's a great idea. Person who's got a friend that's going through surgery, stick them in an atmosphere of complete fear and discombobulation. No, I just need to go into the chapel and pray and seek the Lord and say, okay, Lord, this is what you said in your word. 
and remind myself over and over again of what God said so that when I step in there, when I get my moment and my chance, I could step in there and pray with faith in Jesus Christ. We have to be people who step into that, that place where we're not in the waiting room. We don't have the, any idea that God wants to do amazing things through our life. We, we can't even fathom it, but he's got a, a whole bunch of stuff that he wants to do on the inside of our life. So are we in a position? Have we positioned ourselves to be where the blessing of God can come upon our lives? I hear testimonies all the time. I heard great testimony just today. Powerful testimony of how God came through, answered a prayer in the nick of time. You know, we need, we need to know these miracles. We need to hear them. And we need to be faithful when we step up to the point. You know, we get, need to get to the place where we step all the way up to that place and say, here's the promise, Lord. I have no idea how we're going to do this. Let's just go, me and Jesus. Let the world say that I'm crazy. They've been saying I'm crazy anyway for a long time. Let, let's really be crazy. Right? Let's just really be crazy. You believe that stuff? I believe that stuff, yeah. 100%. 100% all the way down. I believe it all. Just start in Genesis and work your way to Revelation. I believe it all. I believe it all. Even the hard stuff. You believe if you lust in your heart that that's adultery? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. You believe in giving 10% of your income away? That's a good starting place. You believe in loving the same woman for 50, 60, 70, oh my Jesus, years? Yeah, I believe that. I believe it all. I believe every bit of it. Well, psychologists say that if you spare the rod, you're better off, the child are better off. I don't know. Are the psychologists kids in church? Because my three kids are in church. I mean, you can go crazy beating your kids. I'm not, I didn't do that. We said, well, why would you believe that? Because God said it. That's the only reason to believe anything. I believe it all. That makes you crazy in this world. That makes you crazy in the church. There are churches that have changed. The, oh, we don't believe that God really meant that when he said that. Oh, yeah. Because God's a double-speaking politician now. God just says what he means. Just believe it. And take him at his word. Okay, God, let's go. Let's walk into the fire. Let's walk into the water. Let's climb the mountain. Let's do what you, you've called us to do, God. See, the church is like sitting back going, well, pastor, you go up there and do it for us and, and show us that it can be done. That's not how it works. You just got to rise up and do what God calls you to do. This is a year of rising up. Somebody's going to have to stand up. Right? You have to exercise a couple of muscles to rise up. Your faith muscle needs a workout. You may have other muscles that need a workout. God knows I do. I got pain in my back, and my friend said, that's because your stomach is weak. Thank you, Jesus, for that word of encouragement. I needed to hear that today. 
The issue for us is we, our faith muscle needs to be worked out. Where do you do that? Well, you go to the gym. Well, no, you don't go to the gym. Where do you do that? You go to church? No, not in church. Where do you do that? You do that in your prayer closet. Grab a hold of the promise in your prayer closet and tackle the promise. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.